morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church Alamo online again this Sunday. We're excited to have you and to uh, know that you're out there uh, on some social media platform, website, maybe uh, even on te television this morning, uh, enjoying the worship together. Excited uh, to be with you. Thankful for our praise band. We've also got some special ladies that's going to be uh, uh, helping us in our worship music this morning too. Miss Anna Goldsby and Miss Teal Catherine. Looking forward to seeing them in just a little bit. Uh, just one announcement, uh, really, uh, that uh, want to make. Not uh, this week, but after next Sunday, our deacons at some time will have a meeting that week, and we're going to be getting together and looking at the next month so that we can give you a game plan as soon as we kind of get word from uh, our state and local uh, leaders what uh, they are suggesting, are suggesting and our health officials are suggesting, uh, then we can kind of put a plan of action together. But continue to be in prayer. Uh, the news, of course, has uh, come out in the last day or so that there are now cases in Crockett County, uh, and I think they're in the uh, nursing home, from what I understand, uh, three up to maybe five cases. So, uh, be in prayer for uh, everyone that, uh, of course, has this worry, but uh, in our own county, and particularly our nursing home and our nursing home workers, 
uh, that are the caregivers there that uh, we can kind of keep this contained as best we can that it doesn't spread any further. So be in prayer with that. I know of about three other unspoken prayer requests this morning that we want to lift up. But I hope everything is going good uh, for you and your family. If there's anything that we can do, please reach out. Let us know. Uh, we're here for you. Uh, we love you. We're not just praying for you. But if you really need some help or need something, uh, let us know. Uh, and we'll see what we can do and how we can really be hands-on uh, in this time of uh, trial and adversity. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll continue our worship then together. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for loving us in your grace and your goodness. I thank you this morning for all that are here uh, today to help make this uh, worship experience possible. Our technicians and our praise team and our singers and Lord, most of all, your spirit. We pray this morning that while we're not able to be together, uh, in body. We know that we are together in spirit. And that, Lord, wherever we are sitting around our kitchen table, in our living room, uh, maybe on the porch, uh, just enjoying uh, this uh, glorious Sunday, uh, even though it's a little rainy, that, that your spirit is strong, moving us and directing us uh, in your leadership and in your worship, Lord. Lord, we do pray for uh, our uh, county. We pray uh, for our nursing home, particularly those that uh, have had a positive test uh, for this virus. We pray for the health care workers that uh, are going to be administering uh, care. Uh, Lord, just uh, for the concerns that we all have, we pray uh, that, Lord, we can find a cure, uh, that a vaccine can be given, and uh, we can get back to enjoying life. Uh, Lord, is the way it really is meant to be enjoyed. And and we just pray for that. We pray for all of our leaders uh, nationally, uh, state, locally, uh, just even those that are in our home, Lord, that uh, have to make tough decisions. Guide and lead them. We pray, Lord, particularly for those special concerns that uh, are unnamed this morning, uh, for those that uh, need to be lifted up, that's in our hearts and minds, those unspoken. And Lord, we love you. We thank you. And just be with us as we worship you this morning together in your holy name. Amen. Many dreams have died Like a tree planted by the water We never will run dry So living water flowing through God we thirst for more of you Fill our hearts and flood our souls With one desire Digging deep to know our Father's heart Into the world we're reaching out To show them who you are So living water flowing through God we thirst for more of you Fill our hearts and flood our souls With one desire
unspeakable, faith unsinkable, love unstoppable, anything is possible, joy unspeakable, faith unsinkable, love unstoppable, anything is possible, joy unspeakable, faith unsinkable, love unstoppable, anything is possible, joy unspeakable, faith unsinkable. Love unstoppable, anything is possible Just to know you and to make you known We lift your name on high Shine like the sun, make darkness run and hide We know we were made for so much more than
we come to you again this morning. We just thank you for the privilege that we have of calling on your name this morning. Lord, we thank you that, that you died to save us from our sins. Lord, you literally resurrected us from the dead. When we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, and we were objects of God's wrath because of what you did on the cross, you rescued us, Lord. You made us able to come to the Father and to call him Daddy, our Lord and our Savior. And we just can't ever say thank you enough for that. We love you today. We ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. sweetheart. Well, I wish you were here that you could uh, give her a hand for that. Probably more than likely you're out there on Facebook giving little hearts, hearts going up uh, right now. So now I'm going to preach and the hearts are going to stop. <laughs> Thank you, Till. Take your Bible open to 2 Peter chapter 3 this morning. And uh, when I found out Till was going to be singing that, this week, I really kind of felt led of the Lord to, to let that song direct where we were going to be at, that Jesus really is our rescuer. He is the one that fights for us and sends out that army. You know, we've got a lot of big questions today that are facing, uh, I guess, our nation, our world, uh, our state, our county, uh, our own homes 
You know, the big question for us is, when will this uh, coronavirus go away? When, when will life get back to some sort of normal? We have a question, will it get worse? Uh, will it, uh, you know, diminish a little bit? Uh, will it come at us again in waves? Will we have to do a, a second shutdown? Uh, you know, I guess we're all wondering, what does tomorrow hold? Well, I can't give an answer to all those worries. I wish I could. I wish I could tell you, okay, here's what we're facing and here's what uh, uh, it's going to be like. I don't really know anybody can, can do that for us uh, uh, outside of God. But what I can tell you is what tomorrow does hold uh, in terms of the plan of God. And I want to say to you this morning that God has made us a promise. The Lord has made us a promise to make all things new. And I want to look at uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 1 through 13. Verse 13 will be our key passage. Now here's what Peter says. This is now the second letter that I'm writing you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. In other words, this is something I've told you, something that maybe you have forgotten, and I want you to remember, that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets. In other words, there's the prophecies that have been given, the predictions, the foretelling of the holy prophets, and... Further than that, he says, the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Now, here's what he says. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days. There's the key right there. He's not talking about a day necessarily in his day, but he's talking about a day further out into time. And he says, these last days, scoffers will come with scoffing. That is, they'll come mocking. They'll be mockers. Following their own sinful desire, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? And he's talking about not the first coming when Jesus was born, but his second coming that he foretold of. So the question is, well, where is this Jesus? Where is he in this second coming? And now they begin to give the argument uh, about why they dismiss it. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked, Peter says, this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of the world that then existed a deluge with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire. He says, the same thing that happened when God judged long ago is going to happen again. This time it won't be through water, but by fire. There is stored up a judgment of fire. Now he says, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact either, he says, beloved, that with the Lord now one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the hastening of the coming day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they are burned. Now here's our key passage. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth for which righteousness 
dwells. Well, there's nothing, you know, uh, wrong about uh, all these slogans that, that we tend to get from our uh, leaders and politicians. I mean, you think about all the slogans we've gotten through life. There's the New Deal, the New Frontiers, the Great Society, the Thousand Points of Light. And just this last week, you know, we've got Opening Up America again. And there's really nothing wrong with these. I mean, I think it's a good thing that as human beings, we try to improve life here on earth. But you and I need to remember as Christians, as children of God, that this world isn't coming together, but it's actually coming apart at the seams. You see, since the very beginning, this old world has been coming apart at the seams. And there is no political power. There is no Pentagon power. There's no warring power that can make this old world a perfect world. Uh, it's the old uh, nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, our world became a broken place. God knew what was going to come. That's why God, uh, his heart was broken. That, that's why God hates sin, because he knows the the tidal wave of destruction that will wash over his creation because of sin. He knew that things like cancer would happen and that he knew that we would suffer and die. He knew that we would grieve and lose and, and, and he knew that we would struggle and sweat and go through trials and tribulation. He knew that we couldn't have peace as people together around this world, that we would always be bickering and fighting and and struggling and striving with one another. And he, and he knew, you know, there would be days like today that our world faces a pandemic and a virus that has the capacity to wipe out not just hundreds or thousands, but millions of people. He knew that. Someone wisely said, you know, you can't make good omelets out of bad eggs. And while, you know, efforts to do the best we can are to be applauded, you and I need to understand that this world is coming to Christ, that he is our hero, he is our rescuer. Now, let me also say, as we're here in 2 Peter, that Peter is dealing with really this subject, authentic Christianity. There are those that uh, are not genuinely Christian, they are uh, apostates that is they have confessed a belief but they've backed away from that belief they've rejected that belief and 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 they're they're teaching and and preaching and and proclaiming that which is contrary to the word of god and so he's dealing with authentic christianity and he's reminding the believers there don't get locked in to the struggles of this world don't get locked in when it seems as though uh, Satan is winning or evil is winning, understand that our faith is fixed upon the hope that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, that ought to excite you. It excites me. And we ought to be uh, excited because no, no matter how bad the situation is, our hope is in Him. Rather than looking and saying, look at what the world is coming to, we can say, well, praise God, look at who is coming to this world. Don't forget the cornerstone of our faith uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ is that he wasn't just a man, but he was God, that he is God. He is the Son of God, that he's our true hope, that he's the one that came and died for us, and that he conquered sin, death, and the grave, and rose victoriously and he is seated there in the heavenlies. He is on the throne. He is reigning and ruling from heaven. And one day, he's coming again. He will break forth from the clouds and, and he will step his foot upon this earth again and his word will prevail. We live in a world that's crazy. It's, it's crazy with anarchy. Uh, some of the things that some people want today, I just I have to scratch my head and say, 
I mean, what planet are you from? That makes just absolutely no sense. There are some things today that I think, you know, just any average individual, doesn't have to be a Christian individual, just looks at, at, at some folks in this world and think they're just, they're nuts because they just have such a, I mean, total anarchic kind of uh, thought process going on uh, uh, in their mind. In our world today, there's, there's carnal apostasy that's fleshly living that's wrapped up in just pleasing self and doing whatever feels good for self. And, 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 and you know, we think, where has morality and morals gone? And then sadly in our world today, there's a lot of careless apathy. Uh, that speaks to the church and to Christians. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the old uh, thought about how Rome was burning and Nero was just fiddling away. The world is burning down all around us and, and, and it, the church seems to be asleep and not noticing, you know. And, and what's going on today, I think, maybe has awoken all of us, whether we're a Christian or not, whether we're saved or not, we're having to ask, what's going on? What does this mean? What does tomorrow bring? And as I've been praying about it and looking at it this week, I'm reminded that it's coming to Jesus. And the good news is that Jesus does make all things new. And as we're going to say today, he not only this world, the heavens of the earth, but even us as well. So I want to give you two things to think about uh, today as we think about it. Number one, we're going to talk about the scoffing that uh, demands, these the, the scoffing denials that are exposed into his second coming that Peter does. And then we're going to talk about a scriptural declaration that is expounded upon uh, as to his second coming. But let's think for a moment about the scoffing denials exposed to his second coming. And Peter deals more with this than he really does with uh, the scriptural declaration. He just simply says, you know, this is what the Lord said, so take him at his word. For example, in verses 1 and 2, though, he says, this is the second letter. I had to write you once, and I'm writing you again. I don't want you to forget. In both of them, I have had this goal, he said, to stir you up in your mind to, to remind you about the uh, predictions, about the, pro the prophecies of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord Jesus himself. Peter focuses now on the subject that's real dear, real close to his heart. Uh, it, 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 was, it was given to this group of believers in the day of fierce uh, persecution. Uh, and, um, and this was this was the thing that was upon the lips of every Christian, the return of Christ. As a matter of fact, in the early church, when, when Jesus had ascended and gone back into heaven, and they were talking about the promise of his second coming, there were some Christians that were so absolutely confident that Christ was going to return soon that many of them quit their businesses uh, uh, sold their homes, uh, had begun to assemble themselves together, and they were kind of like waiting for him to come. You know, they thought, well, it'd be this week, it'd be this day, it'd be this moment. And uh, as time went by, uh, it began to look, well, it's not going to be as immediately as we thought. And there was discouragement because of that. And so Peter's dealing with this, and he, he's talking to Christians that are losing heart, and he's talking to lost people that are making fun of the promise that the Lord would return. So in this whole chapter, he exposes the scoffers, and he exhorts the saints. And so he's talking about uh, those that would make fun of and laugh. Now, you and I need to understand, Peter wasn't taken by surprise and neither should you and I be taken by surprise when the world laughs at us for believing that Jesus is coming again. You and I need to understand that the devil hates, hates the idea of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan hates it because when Jesus does come again, the Bible teaches that, well, it is then that he will face the judgment. 
the judgment of his sins, the judgment of all things that he has done, the judgment of rebellion against God. And so uh, Satan, he's not looking forward to that day. Satan knows he is a defeated foe. Satan knows that he lost the battle on Calvary. He couldn't keep Christ in the grave. He, he couldn't keep Christ buried. That Jesus rose victorious. That Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Satan knows that Jesus has said he's coming again. And Satan knows his, his reign of terror. Satan knows that his, his uh, day will be done. And so he hates it. And make no mistake, he will do all that he can to get those that he influences to hate the idea of it as well. And Satan will do what he can to appeal to this lost world. And he'll do it at least in three ways. Let me give you to the, uh, those real quickly. He'll appeal on what we call an emotional reaction. This is his first argument. There shall come in the last days scoffers. This is the emotional argument. They're, they're simply going to come and they're going to laugh at the idea of the second coming of Jesus Christ. You know, scoffing is really uh, a sign that the argument has no substance. When a person can't argue the argument with substance, they, they turn quickly to scoffing and to ridicule. You know, there's some folks today... When you talk about uh, important things and, you know, it doesn't take very long, you begin to expose the, the, the stupidity behind their belief on things, uh, how quickly when they begin to get exposed to the lack of substance into their argument, they'll turn to what? Belittling, scoffing, mocking, sarcasm. Good people have always known that when they stand for the truth, they're going to be openly mocked and ridiculed. All these things that happened in the last days are going to happen because God has said these things are going to take place. And two, because there won't be an argument to make against it. And all they'll be able to really do is laugh. And, and I want to tell you, I believe the, that the Christian, uh, conservative, uh, Bible-believing is going to be really the, the, the whipping boy and girl for this old lost world. I mean, they're going to, they're going to set the, the, their aim and their, their big guns on those who hold to the Word of God. So just get ready for it. And remember this, that the servant is not greater than the master. Listen to what Jesus uh, uh, went through on one occasion. You remember he was called to the bedside of a young girl who was real sick, so sick that we know in the story that she died. Listen to Mark 5, verses 39 through 41. And when he entered, he said to them, Why are you making commotion and weeping to these folks? The child's not dead, but sleeping. And they listened. They laughed at him. They scorned. They mocked him. And he put them outside, and they took the child's father and mother and those that were with him. And he went in where the child was, and he took the girl uh, by the hand, and he said, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she arose, and she fixed dinner. But I want you to notice that word laughed. That word there in the Greek is really that word that we would think of today in the English as to double over. I mean, they, they couldn't contain themselves. Can you imagine the Son of God, the very Son of God, the creator of this world standing there, and being laughed at like he is a fool. They, doubled, uh, they, they mock Jesus. Don't be surprised when they mock you. Luke 22, verses 63 and 65. Uh, when the men who were holding Jesus in custody, they began to mock him as they beat him and blindfolded him and kept asking, well, prophecy, who is it who struck you? Um, and they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When you stand for Jesus, just be prepared to be mocked and laughed and scorned. And when you talk about the hope of the second coming, understand this world isn't going to want to accept that message. 
So there's an emotional reaction this world's going to have. Just be ready for it. There is an intellectual reaction this world's going to have. And this one might frighten believers more than others. Uh, here's the argument that they make. It, it, they kind of make it out as a scientific and materialistic uh, argument. It's, it, it's of that intelligentsia that, that says, you know, we're smarter than you. And I, I know a lot of times Christians get real kind of uh, afraid that they might be put on the spot and asked something that they can't answer. Verse 4, 2 Peter 3, 4. Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. That's a tough question, isn't it? When you think about it, I mean, Peter says, I know some of you have been asked this question, well, where is He? Everything's been going on like it always has. Had nothing really changed. You guys are stupid. Peter says, I know how some of you are feeling. You're having your intellect, your intelligence question. In the course of the, the study, I, I came across from time to time, I like to listen to other pastors. And one of my favorite uh, to go back and listen to uh, was a pastor of a few years ago, uh, Dr. W.A. Criswell, uh, the, the, the pastor of First Baptist Church, Dallas. He preached uh, actually on this passage October the 10th of 1960. Uh, that's six years before I was born. But as I was listening to it and I was reading his, his sermon, I thought, man, so appropriate for today. Uh, and particularly this question that, that Peter's dealing with. I want you to listen to what he, he says. It's a little lengthy, but man, it is so powerful. So these are the words in that sermon of Dr. W.A. Criswell. Someone says, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. I say that all things have not continued as they were from the beginning of creation. For there were, have been times in the history and the story of man when God has intervened and interdicted. And Peter here uses one instance. And he could have used a thousand like instances. The instance that he used is the one most appropriate and most terrible. There was a time when the earth went along as it had from the beginning of creation of God. And the Lord intervened. And the Lord God destroyed the earth by water. However, Peter could have spoken of Sodom and Gomorrah when God intervened, but he didn't. Peter could have spoken of the armies of Sennacherib when God intervened. In Isaiah 37, Peter could have spoken of the destruction of Jerusalem when God intervened in 1 Chronicles 21. All of these calamitous wars, the overthrowing of empires, the destructions of dynasties, these are the appalling interventions of God in human history, bridling the human race, lest it lose itself in a headlong abyss of atheism and blasphemy and villainy and rascality and greed and hate and war. The intervention of God, Simon Peter says, <clears throat> is always latent. And always possible. It is one of the most imponderables of life. Things do not go on as they are even through the course of history. Some say from the beginning. But the Bible teaches over and over that God does at times change things. And that God at times does interdict. Furthermore, the second thing that Simon Peter says here is that the reason that this interdiction of God and the intervention of God does not fall is because the Lord is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is slow to strife. The Lord refrained from smiting the wicked, but that he does not mean he does not, but that does not mean that he does not notice it that he does not look upon it, that he does not uh, have a, a, a cognizance of it. It doesn't mean that the Lord is removed and far away and takes no interest in this world in which he made. It is just because God fain would give men another hour, another chance, another opportunity to come to repentance and be saved. Simon Peter would say, Though the Lord tarries in his long suffering, and though his vengeance waits, yet it surely comes 
and burns hot like an oven. And then one of the great quotes of old, Dr. Crystal makes, he says this, the meals of the gods grow, grind slow, but they grind exceedingly fine. And when God's wrath and when God's judgment does fall, it cuts to the bone. It destroys and it damps. You ask me why our world is facing this pandemic. Could it be that God is interdicting again? Could it be that God is intervening again? Could it be that God is not reminding us that one day this earth will be destroyed, as he has said, not by water but by fire? God is going to destroy this world that we love because it is an evil world. It is a blaspheming world. It is an adulterous world. It is an unbelieving world. It is an unregenerative world. It is a denying world. It is a cursing world. It is ungodliness. It's materialistic in its generation. And God has said he has reserved. You know what that means? He has a date on his planner. On the desk of God, on, the, uh, on his desk, there is a divine planner. There is some date out there that God has these words, the end. Judgment will come. This world will try to make an emotional argument against it. This world will try to make an intellectual argument against it. This world will try to make a volitional argument against it. That is one of stubbornness. Verses 5 and 7 of 2 Peter 3, he says they deliberately overlook this fact. That is, there, there is a volitional will act to this. That the heavens existed long ago, that the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word and by the means that these worlds existed was deluged in water and perished. And by the same word, the heavens of the earth will now exist or stored up for fire being kept under the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. You see that verse, verse 5, he uses that word deliberately. I, I was looking at that word, and I could not help but think about the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son went astray deliberately, on purpose, willfully, said to the father, give me what is mine. Let me go live my own life. I don't need you. But in that story that Jesus told in Luke 15, the prodigal got out there and found himself in the hog pen of life at the bottom of the bottom. And he realized, you know what? Going your own way doesn't work. And in Luke 15, verses 17 and 18, we're told in that story that when he came to himself, that was an aha moment when stupidity finally left. Here's what the prodigal said. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. In those two verses, you see the full repentance of a wayward child. There was a change of his mind. He came to himself. He said, it's better in my father's house. Do you still look at this world as being the, the great hope for joy, and happiness, and peace? If you do, you need a change of your mind. Because, friend, this world cannot give you anything that's permanent. The best it has to offer is temporary. I was floating through twitter the other day and one of the things that got me was the uh, the little we call you call it clickbait i think you know actors who have died and so i found myself looking at all these famous actors who had died and as i got through that list i kept thinking man these folks thought they had it all in the end though it was an illusion 
even with all their fame and all their money, they couldn't hold on to tomorrow any more than you and I can. We need to come to ourselves. We need a change of mind in how we see the world. The prodigal said, I will arise. You notice what that is? That's a change of the will. That's that volitional reaction. I'm going to do something about my condition. And then we're told that he got up and he went to the Father. That's the change of body. What does it mean to come back to God? What does it mean to repent from sin? It means to change the mind, to change the will, to change the body. Let me just say that scoffers will deny the second coming and they will use an emotional intellectual and volitional argument but none of those arguments hold because of the second truth and it's real quick let me give it to you the scriptural declaration expounded as to the second coming of Christ I'll give you three things real quick just number them we have the memorial promise. Jesus has made a promise. And let me tell you, unlike you, Jesus keeps his word. I don't care, you may be the best mother, you may be the best father, but there are some times that even the most cherished promise you cannot keep. No matter how much you might love your child, there are times that you may not be able to keep a promise to your own child, to your wife or to your husband or to your mom, or to your dad. You ever got caught like that? Maybe you're a dad, and that little boy, that little girl's asked, will you come to my game? Will you be at my game, daddy? And you say, yes, I promise I'll be there. And there you are at work, and your boss comes in and says, you can't leave, you can't go anywhere, we, we've got this, you've got to do that, and you're stuck. You can't leave. You need that job. You need that income. And no matter how much you meant the promise to that little child, the apple of your eye, you have to break your promise. I will tell you something, friend, about God. God will never do that. First of all, God does not make a promise he cannot keep. God does not say things that are just kind of, you know, eh, maybe. One of the things that amazed people about how Jesus spoke when he was here is he didn't speak like people normally speak. The Bible says he spoke with authority. What Jesus did, he did. What he said he would do, he carried through. Not only is that memorial promise, there's might and power. Listen, the same God that lifted uh, this world up and threw the stars out into space that same God will bring about what he has said. He has the power to make it happen. And then Peter says there's a merciful patience. God is patient. God is slow. He is loving and kind. But dear friend, one of these days, mercy will give way to wrath. One of these days, that appointment that God has made for this world, the day will come. The sun will rise and it will be the day. I don't know who the last soul will be that will be saved before the bride is complete, but it will happen. But suppose this morning it were to be today, that today was the day that Christ would come. Where would you be? Would you be caught up with the bride? Would you belong to God? Would you be left behind? Would you be facing the ultimate wrath and judgment of a God that has reserved this world for fire? You see, he says, the day of the Lord will come. How does he say it? As a thief in the night. Suddenly, cataclysmically, it will come. But Peter says, the Lord's not willing that any should perish, that all should come by way of repentance. You don't have to perish. You can come to Jesus. Come by way of repentance. How do you come? Just like that prodigal did. 
There's a change of mind. There's a change of will. There's a change of body. You can come to him. In that story of the prodigal, when the prodigal got within sight of the father, what did he do? He took off running. He ran to meet his dad. You know what the dad did? He took off running for his son, for his child. The father abandoned all pretense of dignity and position and said, Oh, what matters is that this child that was lost is home. Can I tell you that if you will repent and come to God the Father today, embrace His Son, our Savior Jesus, that God will run to you. He will drop all pretense and all position to embrace you. And the Bible says all of heaven will rejoice over one who was lost and is found. Come to Jesus if you don't know him. What's this world coming to? It's coming to Jesus. But before that day, you come to him. Heavenly Father, maybe someone today wants to give their heart to you wants to repent of their sin and ask you, Jesus, to be their Savior. Wants to push away the arguments of this world and have the assurance of being right and righteous with our holy God. Lord, it's as simple as saying this. Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died were buried and rose again for my sins, that you are the Son of God and my Savior. And I repent today. I confess and I commit my life to you, Jesus, to save me. Lord, believing that in our heart, saying that in our mouth, according to Romans, says we're saved. If someone's prayed that prayer, they are now today, at this moment, a child of God. We love them. We give them to you, Lord. Amen.